Oh, it was a dark place. Uh, you know, I didn't have a job. I moved from California to Washington and took a social work job that was just horrendous. And uh, it was not what I wanted to do. It was a terribly, or as terribly organized. And uh, you know, I left my family and all my friends. Um, the weather was impacting me. I was used to a sunny climate and I was not doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. It's been a day. I uh, dealt with some tech issues. So I'm um, working on a homebrew project and just every nightmare, every nightmare option that you could think of assembling 2600 carts happened wow so you are currently assembling 2600 carts a game that you've developed yeah i bought the distribution rights but it was also a, a part of it and working with a uh, gem gematronic is kind of a known publisher of some smaller games um and jason's a great programmer and so I sold some carts a long time ago, and I, I do these at expos. I make small batches of these. And any anybody thinking about, hey, that's a great idea. It, it is a good idea, but assembling, you know, 40-year-old, 35-plus-year-old carts and, you know, assembling them in the, in the, you know, shell and getting it just right, and there's lots of little issues and nuances dealing with old technology so it's it's more obvious than anything it's fun yeah um i've 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 done worked with several other projects over the years some for charity others not just just to do and and uh, i enjoy doing it but boy i've had a real real trouble with this one in particular <laughs> but you know it's you know whatever it comes with the territory <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's a whole uh fun also working with and playing with you know old tech uh we can see a bunch of cabinets in the in your background here yeah uh as well i'm, I'm sure these uh these had their uh, their technical issues over the years right well these are just the one-up cabs that's kind of why i go okay. with them um yeah. the reason why i'm okay with this is because they're easy to fix yeah. you know uh you know a little tiny board you know a screen a panel it's all modern stuff when you when you deal with stuff that's old like you know good example i bought I bought an Osborne computer. I don't expect anybody to know that, but it's one of the first luggable computers, even before laptops and portables. And I went on to a forum because I know that I wasn't a special. I wasn't specialized in that particular. And people told me um, eight eight bit uh, eight bit guy c covered it. You can't turn them on for a duration of time. They'll, 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 the capacitors inside will smoke and pop, and it'll it'll be toxic. And so I know a guy in Portland, so I have to drive it now to Portland and have it serviced before I can even power it on. Wow. So, I mean, it's, and that's money and it's time. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's, I wanted to get this local lap, you know, this computer, this really hard to get computer from a pawn store because it, you know, it was just sitting there for a couple months and I didn't have one and it works. But I'm not, you know, I want it to be safe, you know, and there's every little console and computer has its little things that you have to, you have to really research sometimes, especially when it's old, because things go out and your head scratches for the norm, for the average person, the average Joe, they just throw it out saying, ah, it doesn't work right. And that's happening all the time. And that's a problem because some rare things are being thrown out 
and you know the physical representation of certain items is getting slim and uh you know my my whole purpose of this crazy collection i've amassed is to eventually have it in the public and and i'm really not trying to get everything but i want to get just a couple things uh you know that are representing the entire you know this is what video games is to me <laughs> yeah well before we go deeper cuz you've inspired me to collect more I'm sure you've inspired a lot of people out there. If you've, you know, been even close to the retro gaming community, you know the person we're talking to today. If you don't, let me introduce him. He has 135,000 followers across all social media. He's been on YouTube for over 12 years. He's a legend, like I said, in the retro community. He does outrageous console reviews, console comparison. He's just... To me, is the godfather of retro collecting. The immortal John Hancock is with us today. John, thank you so much for doing this uh, podcast episode, this interview with us. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm always happy to talk games. And, and uh, yeah, I, I've been doing this a long time, uh, even before YouTube. Been collecting 30-plus years. Started, and it all depends on when you when, when does someone start collecting. Well, collecting to me is defined by having more games than you play. Uh, True, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> uh, it would be an easy way, and so it's hard to say. You know, I'm I'm 46, so I really started collecting in my teenage years when I was able to pay for games with my own money, uh, doing odd jobs. My first job, I was a I was a I was a working at a grocery store, and uh, but you know I was doing mowing lawns and odd things to, to gather money to go to flea marts and collecting cards and not, you know, back then it was just, you know, games was a thing, but it wasn't the thing for me. And I've stuck with it. Uh, it's a hobby that I, I've stick with and, you know, it's, I've seen people come and go and trends come and go. And, um, I've tried to continue to keep it kind of alive for me. And, and that's, that's a path that many people don't take. I see a lot of people, you know, and a lot of people selling right now. I think, I think, uh, I think classic retro games is, is changing for the, for the general public. There's always going to be the crazy collectors out there, but, but, uh, you know, it's tough right now, you know, gas price is almost six bucks in certain areas and, yep. and, uh, inflation's high. And I just, I'm just here just to, to say, Hey, this is my thing. This is what I'm into. Happy to talk games and uh, anybody want to listen. Great. <laughs> Do you have any type of like thoughts of selling some of your collection? No, 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 it never was. No, never. Uh, my, my job, my goal is to get this out of my house. You know, it really is. I'm at capacity. I've been at capacity for a while. I'm going to do an announcement at PRG kind of talking about that phase you know, the museum and, and all that. It's, it's a long-term project. Uh, it, people don't realize how crazy and ambitious it is. And it's still, there's many challenges ahead of me, but my purpose has always been to, to have an, a public area to represent games. And, you know, I don't even consider this, my collection really mine anymore. I'm curating it. Um, mm -hmm. but it's, 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 it's gone beyond, the, all that like monetary value has never been a thing for me. Um, I, that's not why I collect. That's not why I take some of my collection and display it at PRGE um, on an annual basis or, or, or share things. Um, 
other people it is. It's a business. It's it's yeah. a livelihood. For me, it's for me, it's not. I, I can I can believe that because I think as a teenager, if you're starting collecting, you don't really do it for the money. I, it would be hard to imagine someone saying like, "Oh yeah, in 20 years, it's gonna be worth you know 10 times this or a hundred times that." So it, it's uh, it seems to be. And it, it transpires when we listen to you, when we look at what you're doing, the content you produce, it, it's, it comes with passion. And I have something to say. When I started collecting eight years ago, maybe even more now, time flies, right? But it's been, been about eight, maybe to 10 years. I started being very interested in like learning more about the, the games that were kind of like the most collectible or the ones I should start with and so on. And guess what I did? I went to your website and I bought a copy of your DVD that oh, you, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, the DVD Our, that you produced, the nuts homemade and bolts for video game collecting. Yeah, I got a, I got a backstory about that. If you want to know, I don't oh, know I, I want to know. Okay, <laughs> so crazy backstory of that is that was pre YouTube, and so really the purpose of that. Now, now bear in mind, you know YouTube. Yeah, it generates a little bit of revenue, and I've done things to generate revenue, but my collecting in general is not for that. And so, but so, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, this is pre-YouTube for me, I wanted to, people says, we well, ought to do a YouTube. I'm like, I don't know. People kept bugging me. You do YouTube, do YouTube, when YouTube was really early on. And I, I didn't want to, but even before then, I wanted to share my knowledge about games. And so I, I was not a film guy. I didn't even have a tripod. I had like a digital Fujifilm camera. I think I, that's what I recorded it on. And I would take these and I would film just some of my collection and then bring that to, at the time, classic gaming expos were the, the big expos for collectors in the United States. This is before almost everything. Philly Classic was going on. Uh, it was called that was what too many games I think turned into. So Philly classic long time ago, been a show been around a long time, but there wasn't many shows. There was collector groups. The Northwest classic games enthusiast was in Seattle and they were doing little mini shows. And then the big one that started was the world of Atari, which is 1999. And then that turned into classic gaming expo, um, CGE. And then those people then did the MVM, the national video game museum. So that's the connection there. If you follow, right. but anyways, I used to take yep. these these DVD sets and bring them to Classic Gaming Expo and online Nintendo Age, and sell them in volumes. And then eventually, PRGE, long time ago, early two thousands, I offered a couple volumes there. I did a final, I did a whole set, and that included Turbo Graphics and Neo Geo, which I haven't uploaded on my channel because I look back at the video and the video is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but but at the time it was fun to do and it, it was good. It generated. I, I enjoyed it. It was informational. If you get beyond the the technical issues with it, um, it it was informational for collectors. People thank me. Um, Tom Kalinsky wanted one, and I was nervous because it's like you know the president of Sega. One of the best panels I've ever went to at PRGE. Wonderful guy. And I gave him one, and that was cool. That was like the highlight of doing all those. And, uh, you know, other people, programmers and stuff, wanted them. And I didn't thank you. But, I mean, that's the background of that is that I wanted to make those for expos and shows and just to generate some scratch money to to buy some games. And um, and then what's evolved 
from that, that is now the homebrew carts, which is what I do now. And so that's a little bit, I think, uh, just something as a souvenir, a memento or something for people that, you know, follow me on the channel or, or know me or something and pays for my food on, on expos and stuff. That's <laughs> expensive. Travel is expensive. And so, well, I, I think yeah. I got two copies too. Cause I mean, yeah. I think there was like one, one DVD that wasn't playing and you just like, I, I remember emailing you and you're just like, Oh yeah, I'll send you another one. And you just sent me the whole thing, you know, one, once more. So I got like almost two, two copies for myself. They're, they're in the box. I'm awesome. keeping them forever. They're part of my collection, honestly, yeah. man. And I'm never so, doing those again. So that's like exactly. kind of a, that's kind of a thing. One, one thing I like to do is I like to, I don't like doing tons of numbered stuff, but that's, that's kind of a phase for me. And like, for me, I, I just do YouTube now and, and I, I uploaded most of those on my channel and, and the ones that I feel are helpful. And then, uh, that's so anybody with those DVD sets, that's like, there's no more being made. So exactly. Um, uh, and but, it, they were, you mentioned like, you know, they were meant for education purposes. Yes. And, and that's why I think we yeah. bought it, you know, yeah. cause like I couldn't care less about, I'm not looking for a flashy presentation about, yeah. you know, retro gaming. I'm here to learn from the master himself <laughs> who's been doing it for at the time, 20 plus years already, you know, I'm coming in with zero years of experience and I'm there to get your knowledge out of this dvd set right and i that's what i got you know i i, I mean you made me spend a lot of money i'm <laughs> but i'm sure you you know you've inspired a lot of people in the in the community like do you have do you know someone that has anyone that, that has shared with you how they've you know you've inspired them to become a collector yeah yeah i appreciate that um people have and I'm honored and, and hopefully it's in a positive way. And, and, and education was always the focal point of those. You know, I, I think I sold them for like 30 bucks. They were taking so long to make like, you know, six to eight DVDs with labels and the, it, it became kind of a monster to, to produce those. And so once then then I started realizing I need to just make a YouTube channel. Eventually yeah. people were bugging me. I was on Metal Jesus Rocks channel and, and other Gamester 81, Happy Console Gamer. Those are some of the early people that I was guest on. And then I eventually just went and did my own thing. But going back to your, your question, yeah, yeah, I've had a couple people saying you've inspired me. Um, it's always nice to hear. Um, that's my, my goal is, uh, is to, in a positive way, help other collectors out um, or just talk about things or talk about products. Um, inform people. I'm kind of a, kind of a dinosaur on YouTube. I know that. And, uh, uh, you know, I've been doing this a long time and, uh, you know, I did, I did three videos every week for, for years, uh, through COVID through the entire COVID. I did three videos a week. I, I'm most proud of that, believe it or not, just that I kept a consistent basis of just trying to upload videos and share, share knowledge, share ideas, share weird things, one thing that that you'll know know about me is that I try to go off mainstream now, just because the majority of there's wonderful content creators out there and they do awesome stuff. But what happens is the the majority, the cream of the crop, cover the mainstream stuff: Atari, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, and well, maybe not Atari as much, but but you know the stuff that gets the views. And for me, you know, if I really wanted views, I wouldn't do I wouldn't do video games because that's like you know really tiny portion of 
mainstream audience. And so I like to delve into the oddball stuff. That's really what I like to, to pursue now, but I want to cover everything. I want to say, Hey, this is what a part of a set is, or this is this. I got some cool oddball stuff coming up. And so really excited about sharing some of that, but I'm, I want to help collectors out. I'm happy to talk collecting. Um, I do many panels at expos about collecting and, and just did one up in Canada this last month. And that was a Wait, lot I missed fun. it? Or was it? Vancouver Retro Gaming Expo. Okay, that's a bit that. far from me. I'm on the You're... East Coast. I'm in Montreal, so... That's all right. Yeah. I <laughs> um, had a guy fly from Montreal for the panel. That was crazy. He flew for the panel, watched it, and then jetted back. It yeah, was nice. I mean, but um, yeah, I like sure it was to... worth it. I, I like going to expos, but it's it's tough, you know, going across the United States. I'm a teacher by day. Um, and Where does so, that come you know, from? I, I don't mean to intrude, intrude but... I, I, what does that come from that, that kind of you wanted to educate, you don't care about making money, you just, you know, inherently want to give back? I, you know, I'm a soul, I was a social worker for 10 years, uh, community mental health. I come from a family of teachers and doctors. So I think part of it is I'm kind of wired to help others. I did charity work for a decade. I did a Calix Gamers for Kids. It was a, a charity event, 100% for charity raised a hundred thousand dollars for two local, um, nonprofits. Um, I don't know, like it, it just, it doesn't fulfill me. If I'm going to spend this much time doing something, I can't be just my job. I think I would hate it. I think if I was just doing this for money, I'd hate it. I mean, that's why I don't do modern gaming. Cause I think that'd become a grind. I do modern gaming cause it's stuff I care about, but it has to ask my cup has to get filled at the end of the day. And that's kind of why I've kept my, my topics on my channel so broad because then I get bored or something. I'll just jump to something else and then talk about that. And I don't know, like, I think part of it, I give it to my parents. When my dad was a lung doctor, he was a pulmonary care practitioner and my mom was a medical assistant and a teacher's aide, but they were, they gave quite a bit, you know, to public service and, Part of that's that. Um, I've always had a reasonable job, day job that, you know, paid the bills. It's not going to make me rich. Um, have a master's. And so I, you know, I could, I could pursue other things for more money, but more money doesn't make you more happy. <laughs> I learned early on that. And I've seen people with more money and they weren't happier. Uh, the, the happiest I am is when I'm talking to someone in a small group about video games, you know, like this, this, this right here, this is great. Um, I, I would love to do that for the rest of my life. And hopefully I can, you know, that's my, that's what fills my cup is talking about games and it's not really dull. I mean, money and monetary values, things and expensive stuff that that's going to be along with the territory. And I've learned to separate that. That doesn't make it evil, but that's not my focal point. It's just because that's not what fills my cup. And and, uh, you know, if that, if people are, have a store or they, they sell video games for a living or, or that's their thing, or that's a YouTube channel, that's what makes the pays the bills. Great. Um, nothing wrong with that. It's just for me, I do it just because I like talking about games. <laughs> that's yeah, why mean, I'm here today, man. I'm just talking you've had a pretty good start so far yeah. wanting to do this for the rest of your life. You're on the roll, I'd say, you know, <laughs> as long as people want to listen, I mean, exactly. There's going to be a beginning, middle and end to everything. You know, I think yep. that, I think that retro gaming and stuff is, is peaked. 
I think for the mainstream, uh, I see that on my channel. Some of the most popular videos are emulator boxes because I think it gets, it gets expensive collecting stuff. But that doesn't mean you can't stop. You can't, you know, people care about video games and classic games. I think the collecting aspect has gotten really expensive. Or, like in my area, a bunch of game stores went bye-bye. And yep. so, like, there's less of that in bulk because we have a society that's moving towards digital. And so, you know, it's harder to go find physical items that are not all picked over or beat up. And that's okay if you find a beat-up copy of something and it's cheap. But, you know, I, I'm just happy that there's game expos still going on. There's game stores still around selling physical items. And people are excited about some homebrew product. And that's what I really like currently really getting into is these aftermarket products that are revitalizing, you know, crazy obscure things, but making them more functional. Like, so that's, that's kind of my current jam is just what, stuff like that. What are your thoughts on like the current state of collecting, but collecting, I guess, either modern games or remastered old games or reboxed old game, if you will, old games, if you will, uh, like the limited run of this world, for example. Um, what are your thoughts on this and the current state of, of, of collecting for the future? Yeah, I mean, I think that Switch is a good example of kind of like a huge market there where there's many, many companies making physical items. One thing I don't like about Switch on a digital is if you have two, at least two systems connected and you try taking that that one Switch on the go and it's a digital copy, it has has to check like who you are. Yeah. If you don't have Wi-Fi, your host. Exactly. So I was that, I was at the cottage the other day, and yeah. uh, no electricity for forty eight hours. I had my switch. I wanted to play a game. I had the, I had the cartridge. You know, put it in. It's like, oh, let, let let us check if you if it's all okay. You played it. What do you mean? Check check what? I got the cartridge right there. Yeah. Anyways, I completely that, get it. <laughs> that's. I mean, it's different. It's still a thing. It's huge. Um, I'm so selective. There's so much Switch stuff out there that I can't keep up. I mean, I have a budget like everybody else. And, you know, for me personally, I've kind of climbed that any collecting mountain I've wanted to climb. Like, you know, I don't know if I'm ever, I'm going to personally complete another set. I don't, what I have to, you know, have, you know, and to, to start a public collection, I think I've climbed those mountains. You know, someone else wants to take that on. Great. <laughs> But um, there's so much Switch stuff in modern gaming. And to me, it's different. It's in a separate category. It doesn't mean it's not exciting, but um, it is different. You know, I think the play-wise, it's great. It's, you know, but it's it's kind of a, you know, it's the foil comic of the 90s. You know, you know I don't know if you've collected comics back in the day nope. or knew that trend. But, you know, 90s. 80s comics were great, and then 90s, they wanted to make them collectible, so everything started having a foil cover, and it was mm -hmm. collector, and limited edition, and this and that, and everybody started calling their stuff limited edition and collector's edition, and then it kind of just, you know, if something's called a limited edition, it's typically not fully collectible. <laughs> right. And, you know, I there's some, you know, there's some asterisks there like the the master edition of legend of zelda breath of the wild is crazy expensive because you know that's an amazing game that's the first run of it and you know those go for crazy lots of money and you know there's 
there's other there's stuff here and there that's still collectible, but it's just a different market. It's a different generation. It's different people pursuing that. Um, I I like the Switch. I was skeptical and wrong when it came out, um, and since then I've grown to really like it. But collecting it is I'm I'm just on the fence. Like I like collecting it, but I'm not like oh my gosh I got to collect everything. There's so much that comes out for it. Does it make it harder? to collect now because back then you had like you know games came out they weren't being collected back then right you started you had a you had a head start on on a lot of people (laughs) and now today you have these a a lot of switch games coming out and then you have all these like third-party companies like limited run or i mean there's plenty of these coming out with their own so if you want to have a real full set of of like switch games you have to go through a lot of different channels to yeah. get them. Does it make it harder, you think? Yeah. I think collecting is a lot harder now. And I think that it's become something different, too. Like, when I collected it, I mean, I was, like, really, if you're going, like, yeah, I was collecting in my late teen years. But, really, let's just stay college, okay? College, we'll just say the starting point for the crazy collection that I started was I gave Buddy 50 bucks. And I didn't even know what he was going to pick up. Here's 50 bucks. I said, find something interesting. He went to San Jose Flea Mart, came back with an Atari 7800 box with 50 box Atari 7800 and 2600 games for 50 bucks. And the problem is now, like I started the collection because I could go to a flea mart. There was all this stuff that people didn't care about. And at the time, Atari was being collected a lot by the people that were older than me that had money, that that's what they grew up with. And I was kind of the kid collecting that cheap Odyssey 2 stuff and Sega Genesis stuff. Ah, you know, whatever. You collect that collect that silly stuff. But now everything's been marketed towards that collector and value market. It's gotten pretty crazy. And I'm not saying it's all bad, but I'm just saying there's so much of it, it becomes kind of noise. And yeah. I don't want to take away from anybody who has a beautiful... 360 collection or Xbox One or PS5, PS4, because there's some awesome, really cool stuff out there. It just doesn't, for me, the same. It's not the same. It's not the same for me. It's not my, not necessarily what I grew up with, not my generation. Um, I value and respect it, but it's just, it means something different. Not to ramble about that, but I just, I don't know. It just, there's something, there's something there. Like when I, when I pick up a physical cartridge, something, a hundred percent of the game's there. It's not checking to see if I'm online. It's it's not going to have a patch if it's got a bug or something. It's there forever. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's typically a game I can play uh, in a sitting. Um, it has a different feel, and and that's what I really want to celebrate. But there's there's amazing new modern game stuff out there. Part of part of the problem too is time, like. You know, there's some wonderful RPGs out there that are being made or MMOs and stuff. But, gosh, you know, uh, I just don't have the time anymore to, to jump into those. Um, even the new Halo. Like, I love the new Halo, but I played it. And and then the Skywalker Saga, the, another Lego Skywalker Saga. It's an amazing game. But holy cow, is that game long and vast and just there's so much there. I could spend all year just on that game if I really yeah. wanted to. I agree. The one sitting, I think, is a big deal for me as well. Like, I appreciate these huge games. Uh, I, I've played a lot of them, even in the past 
you know, 12 months. Ghost of Tsushima is a good one for on the PS5 that I played. Awesome. Um, I really enjoyed it. But at yeah. the same time, like when I see a game and I go to how long to beat, for example, and I see it like it could beat in like two, three, five, six, maybe seven, eight hours tops. I'm I'm like, wow, okay, I'm happy. Like that's this good. weekend, I'm gonna be, yeah. you know, done with the game. And that's a great thing for me. I'm I'm not thinking like, oh wait, I paid 40 bucks for it. So then like it's like more expensive for the hour. I don't care. At least yeah. I'm gonna finish it. It's not gonna sit on my shelf because I'm gonna be like pushing back the time when I'll be, you know, when I'll eventually have time when my kid goes to college at, you know, what's <laughs> 18 years Absolutely. old or something. You know, so I I love that. And and we lost that after the you know, I guess the maybe Nintendo 64, even Nintendo 64, there were some long games in there, man. Yeah. Maybe like Super Nintendo, yeah. you know, era. Yeah, and there was a lot of great classic RPGs that came out during that time period. That wasn't my focal point. I I, yeah. I love them, like Chrono Trigger, a good example, or mm-hmm. um, you know, Final Fantasy. You know, those those games are great, but that wasn't like for me. It was like a brawler, an arcade style game, or a you know. Um, a shooter or a platformer or something for high score. That's what I kind of pursued. Um, you know, yep. Sega Genesis had a lot of that arcade, you know, Streets of Rage 2. Um, Ghouls and Ghosts, which is amazing port on Sega Genesis. That's a hard game, man. Yes. Beat it. Beat it with a friend. <laughs> and Anne just recently beat the Master System version, which doesn't have, that has unlimited continues. But we were able to beat it in a couple hours. And I did that. I did that. Um, I did that in public too. I did that at a sixty-four bits or less. Showed video on my on channel showing us beating it with a, a good buddy of mine. And uh, you have to go through twice, and it, it plays different than other versions. But that's a good example of like the the sweet spot. It was a challenge, but it was enjoyable, and I could do it with a friend. And we just back and forth play. It was kind of nice to get a break and. It was it was tough, but it wasn't impossible, and it wasn't just a beat. It was just enjoyable to play that, you know, and and to get through it. And how many people have gotten to the end of that? I mean, it's <laughs> not it's, me. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> you have to be kind of into the zone, and and I've done that. I usually beat games with my friend, and and we do we we try to go through my crazy collection or his crazy collection. He's got a pretty cool collection. Is you know, it's very focal focused. But we try to get stuff, and that's how we keep it alive. You know, go through stuff and beat stuff or play stuff that we has been sitting on our shelf for a while. And so it's kind of nice to do that. And I try to do that throughout the year and, and just to keep it fresh and, and to, you know, keep that passion going and just celebrate gaming. And it's a, for me, that's what it's about. And, uh, you know, for other people, it's going to be newer stuff or stuff they grew up with, or, um, I like to go the oddball, the obscure for sure. Is that because you, because you talk about being, I guess, nostalgic is is one way to put it about certain, you know, consoles or platforms. You know, listeners of this podcast know that I'm most fond of the N64, even though yeah. it was not the most, you know, uh, technologically advanced system. Controller was terrible, but I couldn't care less. Uh, some of my best experience as uh, as a gamer playing Ocarina of Time, which in my uh, my mind is the best game ever made. Great. Uh, GoldenEye has oh, yeah. a lot of fun, you know, just all these games, and but they're all tied to a, a special time in my in my life, where 
you know, I was with my family playing these games and I don't know, it just, just a blast, you know, and whenever I play them, I'm go, I go back in time. Yeah. Where do you go when you play certain games? That's a great question. I don't know if I've, I've ever been asked that. And I, I like that. I like that question a lot. Um, you know, going back to this last expo is at is an outdoor gaming event and I get to go to kind of a place where I'm not like on a time schedule. I can, I can go to a place where, um, doesn't matter who you are, you know, you're, you're a game character. And, uh, I love that. Um, I love that about games. It's like the, it's the equilibrium, you know, it's like the equal playing field. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not John Hancock, I'm Arthur, you know, ghouls and ghosts or something, or, you know, blaze or, you know, going from, I think streets of rage and, or, or whoever, whatever character you want to be. And you just get kind of caught up in that environment and that world. And it's you versus the machine or you with a buddy versus the machine. And it's just a, it's a really cool environment that you don't have to think about all of current noise or issues or all the chores or honeydews you got to do, or, you know, the stress and anxiety of being a teacher, you can just play a game. And that to me is so rewarding. Um, you know, thumbing through an actual physical manual or even seeing a beat up old copy and that smell that takes me back to like a library, um, that physical box, that, that noise when you open up a clamshell, um, all that, um, the, the, the weird things with consoles, you know, that you know, the noise, the in, you know, if one has an intro, you know, Sega, nah, nah, you know, or like, you know, PlayStation or even N64, there are certain sounds I can hear sounds and be like, you can just go right to that moment of that game. And it doesn't have to be my chat, my, my past or nostalgia, but it, there are certain games that just really, really nail it, you know, um. You know, Shredder's Revenge, good example. Um, that really nailed nostalgia and was just a fun, a fun game. A good example of like not being too long. You could play with buddies, and I just games like that really just speak to me. And and I really love love it when companies or games are like that. Well, absolutely, and I agree one hundred percent. And it, it's it's interesting because you mentioned how retro gaming has peaked earlier yeah but at the same time you have datemu with tribute games that release yeah. tmnt shredder's revenge and guess yeah. what they just sold they just announced they sold over a million copies million. you know i was i mean i feel you know so fortunate to have worked yeah. well with these guys and even like with you on this campaign right to promote absolutely. the game absolutely but like it just tells me how there's there's obviously quite obviously still a market for these games we're talking about like playing games for like one sitting we're not alone john we're not alone like there's plenty of people that still want these you know one sitting co-op or even alone just like nostalgic experiences um i mean you could if you shut everything around you when you play this game you could imagine playing a snes game you know yeah, and I think yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree 100 with what you're saying. I think I think really to I think it's more of the the collecting aspect has peaked. 
the gaming has just gotten any even mm-hmm. bigger. And I think that what's making it uh, tougher to collect is because modern platforms are doing a better job at offering retro gaming without collecting. That's really what I kind of wanted to allude to earlier. Good example, yep. you know. I can get a switch and I can get the online service and play my N64, my Genesis, my Super Nintendo, my Nintendo. I can buy a bunch of arcade games that are, you know, Capcom Stadium, another example, you know, 40 bucks. And you can get a set of arcade, classic arcade games. And, you know, they got all the bells and whistles and that's the game. You know, collecting, yeah, there's a physical version, I think, on PlayAsia for the first one on that. But, and there's physical copies of some of these classic games, but it's it's just different, you know. It's, uh, in ways, it's harder because, you know, you got not just one version of a game now, you got five versions of a game. And, you know, yeah. and if you want to collect them all, it's it's like, it's overwhelming. Like, you know, for me, even I had to make a, a choice of, like, which version of Shredder's Revenge do I get? You know, do I want to yep. get the crazy big box one that I don't have space for? Or do I want to get the one that's got the VHS slip case, mm-hmm. which I thought, oh man, that's awesome. That's speaking to me. So I got that one. But then in the back of my head, it's like, ah, oh, that, that collector's edition was pretty sweet. Uh, I got the big <laughs> one, but I don't know where I'm going to put it. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but like, it's a good example. I think it's like, yeah. but yes, there is still a market. And it, just because it's peaked. I think it's it's peak because pertaining to the older stuff being so mm. expensive, so many people are priced yeah. out of it now that it's like, oh, I'll just, I'll kind of settle and I'll get some classic game stuff or retro style stuff on a modern platform and call it. Yeah. Or, We've had a lot of, yeah. Or just go the Raspberry Pi or go emulator box. Right. Or go that route. Yeah. There's so many options out there for sure. And I think that, you know, guys like us, we've we remember playing those games back then and for me and a lot of the retro gamers we've had many retro uh creators on the show it there's a lot like it's very nostalgic experience for the younger generation for my kid for example you know if well now i i I have you know a lot of games and i hopefully he's going to play them but will it impact him as much as it impacted me back then in a, in a sense that will it make him want to keep those games as he gets older to relive those experiences and my kid has a dad that has that is collecting so most kids don't yeah. <laughs> so will they have that want when they grow older to own the original physical versions of games so i i feel like you you've been talking about your your museum idea and i'd love to actually transition into that because for me retro video game collecting almost is you know becoming kind of like a like getting like or collecting artifacts if you will of an, of a previous era you know and not so much like a necessarily like a, something you want to 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 play unfortunately to play on the physical media moving forward like yeah so what are you what are your goals with your museum project uh moving forward and and how do you want this uh this i'll call it a museum project to impact the retro video game community i think the number one goal is to have it happen and it's a long-term project i don't have a timeline on that but getting the games out of my house into a public setting means everything for me 
my wife doesn't want to deal with my collection. My wife doesn't care about the value of it. Um, I can talk, I've talked to many game collectors. I know that, uh, uh, Sid Bolton, right. Is that a collector up in uh, Canada who died? Mm-hmm. Um, I bet his family didn't want to deal with that collection when he passed. And it was tough when you're digging through stuff of a deceased family member and having all that stuff is tough. Now, um, you know, cause people like I've talked to my wife about this and was very clear. Hey, while this might be worth something, I know that you don't want to deal with it. So that's the other thing too about the museum is having it not taken care of or with a nonprofit, even if you know uh, it doesn't work out with the museum, it's somewhere. So that's really important to me. Uh, the goal is to get it into a public setting. And there's so many challenges still ahead with building and all that, but uh, the journey has started. I'll, I'll say that. So it'll be a little bit more info at PRGE, but that's really in a nutshell, just like getting my collection out of my house into a public setting and, and, and really uh, happy to collaborate with anybody who can help me with that. And I can be open about that right now. And just like, it's, it's going to be a challenge, but I want that. I want that somewhere in the Northwest, a place that celebrates and educates people on, Hey, this, this was a thing. You know, this, this, what this was, I think if you have a bunch of stuff in a, in a display and you don't have it displayed, you want to educate people on what it is. Why was it important? What is the significance? It can't be just stuff to look at though. I think there needs to be certain things for people to be able to play and that, you know, yeah. that has its own issues, you know, costs and upkeep. I have a buddy that does an outdoor gaming event. He stored 40 TVs and after a year, Nine didn't work. So Mm -hmm. there's that aspect, the upkeep and maintenance of stuff that breaks. Things will break. Things will go out and you have to repair them. Well, who is that? Who's going to repair those? And who's a specialist on this, this rare item that, you know, costs hundreds of dollars and shipping it off to, to another state. And sometimes you have to take it out of its shell. Like I just had my 5200 serviced. I had to take it out of its shell and mail the PCB board to Midwest and ship it back and install it. And hopefully nothing broke. And it was, it was great. But there's a lot of those thoughts that go along with that. How do I want it to, you know, impact retro gaming? I think, I think, I think I want to be remembered as the person that said he was going to do museum and did it. (laughs) I mean, that's really the challenge of just, uh, if, if I had a, a mistake, I probably shouldn't have announced it so soon. But that doesn't stop me from my dream and my goal of doing it. And and I'm going to do it uh, with help, hopefully, somewhere. And if not me, then it's going to go somewhere and be on public. Uh, that's my that's my number one goal. I'm happy to share that now because it's it's from my heart and it's it's true. And um, I've started the process. And, and so that's really just want to you know, talk about it in a bigger uh, setting more about that. But that's kind of where I'm at currently. So, John, let me ask you, are you going to keep anything from your collection once you've donated the bulk of it or all of it? I don't know, uh, to your museum. Very small percentage, like less, probably 3%. Nothing part of a set. Anything that's of uh, importance historically is going. But mm. like probably probably my FPGA consoles, some multi-carts. Something that can fit on a standard 
library shelf. Like you're, we were talking earlier. Um, my son's kind of a minimalist, ironically. And I want to kind of pursue that. I don't want to have, I've, I've, I've amassed this crazy collection. I don't, I don't want that ever again. Like that's, I didn't do it for that. I didn't do like, I want like just a simple collection where I can play a game, play some games if I want, but like, it's a shelf. It's not a room. It's not a wall. It's just kind of there. And if that's, you know, a couple emulator boxes and, you know, maybe an aftermarket arcade or two, I'm good. Curated for you. Just like, yeah. And maybe like a rental, maybe uh, I have like a a game from my rental store that I grew up with. Maybe I'll keep that. Maybe not. I don't know. That'd be kind of cool to show, like have a theme of like, here's all the address labels of rental places that are long gone. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. It just, to me, like, um, really looking forward to having, uh, a very small game collection. If that, I know that sounds weird, but if you're in my shoes, you would probably be saying the same thing. <laughs> no, I, I can totally relate. Actually. I, I, like I said, I have a much smaller collection than you, but still over 2000 games and it doesn't even fit in my, in my house, you know, yeah, it, and it gets, it gets crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, I got this in boxes. You know, what's what's even the point, you know? Uh, and so I, I do want to get it to, I got, I don't know, a more manageable size, if you will, right? To yes. to be more curated towards my own personal tastes. Only keep the, the, the titles that are I'm really, really, really fond of. So I, I can totally relate. Yeah, I just want to keep the, you know, maybe one Ouya just, just because. Um, <laughs> Um, I've got a weird obsession with that. But, what, what, do you mean, what, what do you mean one? How many do you have? I have all the variations, including a development console and four wow. controllers. So there's a white one. There's a black one. There's a copper one. There's a silver one. There's an engraved one with a notch. In fact, I have it here. It's oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's engraved. It's hard to see, but like it's engraved with like the big funders of the time. But anyways, uh, that that's been a cool little I don't know. Like to me, that was a that was kind of a cool special experience. I did some gaming clubs when that came out and got to work see kids that normally didn't get to smile smile and people on the spectrum and playing Towerfall, which was uh, a lot of people don't know Towerfall originated on the Ouya. That was their big hit. And for people that don't know, Towerfall is like an eight bit Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. And, um, wonderful game, but. Uh, Anyways, uh, just stuff like that, you know, stuff I would play. Nice thing about Ouya, I use on my YouTube channel is to play homebrew and aftermarket games. And so I'll get a ROM or something of a homebrew game and he just plays fine on that. And it doesn't take up a lot of space. So shame that we can find them anywhere now. Yeah. I mean, they can't, you know, they're still around you can get them used and, uh, there's private servers that have fully activated everything in the Ouya library, which is most known for its emulation. And there's emulator boxes that are way better, but I still like playing on the Ouya. I'll be honest. I I forgot about Ouya for a while, for a little bit now. I I mean, yeah, (laughs) it's it's a shame. Like, bringing on, like, a new console in that, in in a gaming space, it seems to be very, very difficult nowadays. I know, like, Ouya was one. Um, Google Stadia, even though it's not really a console, it's still, like, a gaming platform, if you will. And they're they're having their issues, right? Yeah, Uh, yeah. 
Amazon Luna? Yeah, Amazon Luna, exactly. And I think like yeah. there's even one that's closer to like retro gaming, the um, Intellivision Amico, right? Amico, yeah, the Amico. Amico, yeah. So I've pre-ordered mine like I don't know a year ago, and I've got I even got I bought the limited edition. Oh, the physical set, edition. Yeah, the physical games. I got the games. They're on they're on my shelf. Console nowhere to be found. So I don't know if it's gonna end up being like just the games and no console, but it's uh they 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 keep pushing back the the production at least the uh, delivery of these consoles. Why why do you think it's such a so difficult to to bring a new console to in this gaming space markets controlled by large corporations that have tons of money to throw at their at their at their game systems and it's it's you know embedded like nintendo's you know their fan base grew up playing game boy and and you know it's been embedded in them they've they've nurtured their fan base for years and microsoft you know uh first it was you know windows and gaming uh, and PCs, and then you know, 2001, they started with Xbox, and they've slowly, really. I think the Series X is the best that they've done um, so far, and then they got PlayStation, which you know, broke off. You know, they they started making games for other consoles, you know, but then they made their own game console and established themselves as a powerhouse. And there's so much money and revenue behind those that anything else is a very very small fish in a very big pond. And Do you think so, that'll ever happen again? Like yeah. a, a a game maker making a con a successful console. Yeah, it always does. I mean, you look at you know uh, people really did not understand PlayStation when it came out. Mm. Like you know Sega was going to be the next big thing, and they screwed up. And it came you know Sony came in and hey we're going to have a cheaper console. We're going to offer cheaper games. You know, honestly, Nintendo at the time, they going cart route, that kind of gave PlayStation the opportunity to be successful. They offered an affordable console that didn't have the best graphics, but uh, offered affordable gaming. I worked at the GameStop during that time, and they were, you know, people, families would walk in, they'd see the N64 side, and games would start at 40 bucks and go up to 70 And then they would see PlayStation, and at the time, Greatest Hits had just started at 20 bucks Hmm. let me tell you if you're a family person at the time there was no just i mean unless you were a nintendo franchise person a lot of people gravitated to playstation because you know all sorts of opportunities there you play music cds in the console at the time yeah the music was much better also on the playstation Uh, music was better um games were cheaper they had uh they just kind of were going a different route and yeah. Uh, you know, and then Saturn came out. Uh, Saturn was already out, sorry, and then just really dropped the ball uh, with price and development was tough for it. And announcing the console and it was out, and a lot of developers were like, "What the heck? What the heck's going on?" You know, we, and they were upset about that. Yeah. So there's a lot of reasons why you know PlayStation made of it. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's going to happen again. I think it always. The, the technology is always changing. So just because one company is dominating right now doesn't mean a company comes out of nowhere. Because I think augmented augmented reality is going to be a mm-hmm. big thing moving forward. Virtual reality is going to get better and better. And I think there's some other companies that are doing a good job. You know, Facebook with the Oculus, um, you know, got to experience one a little bit more in depth lately. And it's not perfect, but it's a thing. It's pretty good. And, it's pretty good, I would say. They're coming up with a sequel. And they're mm-hmm. coming up with an augmented reality 
also. And so that in Google could yeah. could come out with something else. They got a bajillion dollars. And so, yeah. yeah. And that's uh, the thing. Maybe like, you know, now we have like those still those physical consoles with like the controller and all that. But maybe like as time moves on, like virtual reality, augmented reality, Sony, PlayStation, Xbox, like Meta with Google. They're, they're all maybe coming like to like become all consoles, but like VR consoles, AR consoles and things like that. So, yeah. We're going to get away from screens and it's going to be more in like a, an interaction thing. I think that's mm-hmm. going to be the future and whoever can dominate that and do a better job. That's who's going to win. Mm-hmm. And I think that as time moves forward, it's going to be more important on what works and what has, and it all comes down to the best games. So what works, what is marketed the best and what has the best games and the best service. That's what's going to win. Always does. Comes down to games. So, yeah, I know Nintendo has talked about being worried about after the Switch. Like, what does their company look like? They've they've talked about that, but they worry they worry about that, and and rightfully so. Well, um, the Switch typically have it like they they do like a hit and not so hit, a hit and not so hit. They always have like an off generation. It seems right. Yeah, the Switch Two is going to be fine. It'll be the 4K Switch or Switch Two mm-hmm. or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. That's going to be amazing. It's going to do well. After that, when they move on from Switch. Right. Are people how how are people going to take that? Are they going to keep their store and all your digital mm. games? Are they going to close it again? Because I'll tell you what, yeah. people get tired of that. Mm-hmm. That's why Microsoft's done what they've done. They've done the best job, I think, of all the three. Of hey, you know, not perfect. You know, if you really want to talk about great Steam, for I was gonna. Uh, that's exactly what I was Steam's thinking about. Yeah, seems the best for consoles. Xbox gets a pass. PlayStation's okay. I don't like how they have it set up. And Nintendo is just tough to navigate. The problem with Nintendo is like they have a great a successful console, but their technology is just They're always I, behind a bit. Yeah. Uh, it's it's it bothers me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like no, I, I feel like I'm playing a five year old tablet sometimes. And it, it's true, mm-hmm. it is. It's five year old technology and I wish they would adapt folders and there's just things that they should have already integrated into their system and they haven't and part of that's their culture their business culture uh, japanese business culture that's why it is the way it is but they know it. i think they're them being worried about their future is good because it'll make them think about it now and do something about Mm -hmm. it well they've done some terrific things so for me one of the and i've tweeted about it not too long ago like the wii is the most underrated console of all time in my opinion like it's it was such a breath of fresh air when that came out. It was so popular. It I remember exactly the moment I turned it on and I, I used those those Wii motes for the first time and those nunchucks and all that. It was like so amazing. And for them to go outside of what has been done in the past completely and use motion control and all that, they're able to do it. They're able to go above and beyond when it comes to the like the hardware technology now software technology is <laughs> is something else it's not necessarily like the thing that they're the best at but but I, i'm i'm excited to see what they're going to do also moving forward like because are they going to go with something that's more in line with vr ar or is that going to be 
Is that still going to be inhaled? Because now they mashed. Because for for the longest time they've had their they inhaled stuff. They had their home console stuff. Now they mashed the two together. So now they're basically they're doubling down on their console. If they yeah. if they release another one that's both, yeah. then and it doesn't do well because the Switch yeah. did does really well. It's doing really well. Like they're going to be in financial troubles. I, I mean, I, I know they have a lot of cash. I mean, they're not going to be like you know. In, in real financial trouble, but their shareholders won't necessarily be the happiest knowing that they don't have a 3DS or DS, you know, to, to back them up, you know, because the DS did so well back then. Yeah, to me, they've always, I've identified them as a handheld company. Mm. They've done handhelds, a game and watch turned into Nintendo. Like they've done console stuff, but really blending the two into one was really smart. Yep. Um, yeah, I think, you know, Nintendo is the, the company that's long in the tooth. And they're going to have to just keep it fresh. The Switch ended up being a huge hit. And, um, you know, I think it benefited from several things. And I think moving forward, they should be fine. Uh, they're going to be around. They're they're smart. I don't ever count them out. Um, they do silly things sometimes, but they learn from their mistakes. And I think I think them even just uh, being acknowledging that they have to be careful moving forward, that excites me. Um, I could totally see them doing AR. I think the challenge moving forward is technology and having it function and work is going to be super more important with future consoles. Nintendo um, has always been behind on functions and technology. And so having having something good enough, like they're kind of the McDonald's of game companies. I hate making that comparison, but it, it's true. They're not always the best, but they're everywhere, and people know them. They are re- iconic, and some of the some of the things they do right, they do right better than anybody. And other things they don't do great. It doesn't really matter because it's good enough. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's just—I mean—that's my simple way of explaining Nintendo. Yeah, I—I I don't know if like I have, a, I have an example in mind of them maybe trying like AR stuff as the. The smart Mario Circuit Road or something, whatever it's called, you know, the little Mario, yeah, with like the camera, and you could be on your Switch and and controlling, and so to me, like now that I'm thinking about and talking about this with you, it makes makes me think like was that something that they've done to even like test the market or see like even the technology how people are like receiving that 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 new product that came out, right? The true, uh, what is the name for it? I did a post. I think I did a post, right? I I want to say I did. Hey, show me all that cardboard stuff that you still have and you play with, and nobody commented. Right, right. Because it's collected. You know, someone's got a complete collection sealed, but that's not something you play. And it's it's it was kind of gimmicky. I think I think it might have been testing the market. Yeah. Um, I think the whole garage. They did that garage game app where you can mm. program yourself. They're experimental, and and I like that about Nintendo, and I think I think they'll have to keep that thinking to stay on top. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of a risk because if you could be experimental and then just bomb, which they have, and that you know, but they've only had a couple huge failures. Most of their stuff, even the N sixty four, was moderately successful. Oh yeah, of course, of course, I love it, but it's not because it was. Success- I mean, it doesn't yeah. mean it was successful. It wasn't. You know, ultimately, yeah. it really wasn't. It was more about um, the fact that I was fond of the game that came with it. But you know, I mean, financially, it wasn't a you know successful console for sure. No. And even technologically, like it wasn't, it wasn't up to par with some of the other consoles that well, were uh, 
Yeah. It was good enough. It was. It had enough good games. People didn't care that it had didn't have the good enough technology. People dealt with that controller because it had fun games to play. Mario Kart, Zelda's, mm-hmm. you know, GoldenEye, yep. Smash Brothers. That top 20 for N64, great. And now you can play it on your Switch for the most part. Not everything. No, yeah. no GoldenEye. Don't yeah. know when we're going to get that. But but uh, I know that's in limbo right now. But Maybe a remaster from Xbox with Rare. I don't know. Just <laughs> saying. Amazing. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. I don't I mean, know why they're not. It's not out yet. It's like. <laughs> oh, it's because of the Ukraine war. That's why they've delayed it. Oh, they, really? There was an article on it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. How many games do you have in your collection? I haven't counted in years. Just know <laughs> that I have about 34 collections complete with others with others that I have, you know, 3DO. I have a crazy amount of 3DO stuff. And then television. I mean, there's other collections that aren't in that list of 34. Uh, just got a Pippin. Got an Apple Pippin in box. Um, you know, Osborne Computer. There's a bunch of weird stuff like that that's not in, like, a category that's like, okay, that's interesting. And... You know, I just want to be remembered as the person that uh, worked really hard to try to amass a collection and then wanted to offer it to the public to to disappreciate. And I, my, my name doesn't have to be plastered to it. You know, I had some help. Yes, I collected about 95% of it myself. Spent mm-hmm. thousands of dollars over the years. The majority of my YouTube goes to buying games. Uh some some saved, but some is just essentially to upkeep or, you know, to get stuff I'm missing. Um, you know, some of that's right off, of course, but 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 still, like people don't realize, in the, you know, but it's tough because you know when you go public, you announce something. There's always going to be judgmental fools out there that say all sorts of crazy stuff or don't have the whole story. Um, and I, you know, I wasn't ready for any of that. And now I've got my thick skin, whatever. But uh, but back when it started, that was tough just because I didn't know any of that was out there. But, you know, public opinions is can be pretty interesting sometimes. You know, you can yeah. you can be the have the best intentions and it doesn't matter. Um, pitch the, the pitchforks and knives come out. And if you don't do it right, then it just uh, it can swallow you if you don't if you don't handle it correctly. What are some of the toughest challenges you've had to overcome over the years? Just, uh, you know, keeping true to what I wanted and intended to do all along and not listening to people that don't matter. <laughs> hmm. There's going to be people out there that have all sorts of opinions and, and, uh, that doesn't matter. It really doesn't. They're just internet trolls or noise, um, or people that don't bring value to the community. You know, if you're trashing everybody else and have hate and have all this, unhappiness in your own life go to a therapist or get your head checked you know go take care of yourself if you are if you are souring the environment of others on an ongoing basis it's because you are hurting yourself and i hope those people get help um and they're out there and even it doesn't have to be towards games but if you are just really if you're like just kind of puking on other people all the time that's a problem and it's a problem because, you know, coming from a background of mental health, you know, that, that there, there's reasons why that's happening. And, uh, it's, I see it all the time. And, and, uh, there's parts, there's been times in my life when I've gotten kind of miserable and I found myself doing that. <laughs> so, mm. 
I can relate because I haven't, you know, everybody sees the persona of me being the happy-go-lucky person, which I try to be and try to share and, and give positivity to others. But I'm a human being like everybody else. I've had my ups and downs and uh, uh, I've learned and, you know, I've been, you know, gratified and supported by, by, by the positivity of others, talking to people at expos. Um, the community in general has been wonderful. Uh, there, there are occasional person that gets to be in my bonnet, but that's okay. That comes along with the territory and just dealing with that and just like, okay, you're not getting what I'm doing and, and nor do they want to, they have a, a set, a set opinion that's not going to change. And, um, you know, these people are, are typically pretty cowardly and, um, you know, they'll say stuff online, but they've been never say it to you in person. So that we can, and our listeners can better relate to what you're saying about you actually being on that chair at some point in your life, right? Being maybe the, the sour person, if you want to put it that way, maybe. Dealt with, dealt with depression in my life. What was, could, could you give us an example of how you felt at that time and what you did? Wow. Oh, it was a dark place. Uh, you know, I didn't have a job. I moved from California to Washington and took a social work job that was just horrendous. And, uh, it was not what I wanted to do. It was a terribly or as terribly organized. And, uh, you know, I left my family and all my friends. Um, the weather was impacting me. I was used to a sunny climate and I was not doing well. I was not used to clouds and overcast and not seeing a sun for 60 days. And that was tough. Um, went and got help. I talked to a therapist, got some medicine. Uh, it was temporary and, you know, wasn't, and I'm, I'm not ashamed of that, you know, had some therapy and worked through it and, uh, got to the core root of some of the issues and, uh, my employment situation got better. And, uh, my wife was super supportive and was able to get through that and bounced. So I can relate just by saying, um, you got to take care of yourself, just like your, your health, your mental health is just part of that and it can impact you. And, and sometimes you're in such a bad place that you don't even know you're in a bad place. Someone has to say, Hey, are you okay? When really they're saying you're not okay, but they're doing it in a nice way and <laughs> you to get some help. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm okay with saying I struggle with depression and, um, that was years ago though, but it like, um, you know, and it's just, knowing when you're in not a great place to do something about it. If you don't do something about it and you're not in a good place, it can get really bad. Um, there's a lot of people out there that struggle with mental illness and mental health and, and not to be ashamed of it. And to know that, uh, there's professionals that you can seek help for or friends, or even if you want to go the non professional route churches or groups or even just friends, but, you know, there are certain things that, you know, if it gets worse, though, you should seek professional help. I do encourage that if it gets if if, if the other avenues are not working. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, and, that, and, and that's going to different. It, you know, that whole aspect is different for everybody. It's like it's like a car. It's like anything else. You got to find something that works for you. You know, one therapist or one way is not going to work for everybody. That's why there's multiple avenues and ways. And, and I found something that worked for me and. 
Um, it was what I needed to get through the season, but you know, that was years ago, over a decade. Um, you know, and you know, pre COVID was pretty tough, you know, kind of found, you know, going, going through some things, but I uh, was able to the same thing, just, you know, talk to some, talk to the therapist and things got better. So that's, that's it, you know, and, and, uh, for some people out there, they may not even consider that an option for other people, maybe in the States for sure. Insurance is an issue that's expensive. And so I wish, I wish our medical system was different here. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. But, one, but it, though, is. But, it impacts yeah. people getting, seeking professional help. It's not like you yeah. go down, the, go down, go down the street and just say, Hey, I want some help. It's not easy. Intakes take a long time. You know, it's, I did the field. I was in the field for 10 years. I get it. Um, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, John, though, it, the mental health system here in Canada, you know, as an American, a lot of well, a lot of Americans think like, oh, in Canada, it's like, you know, it's free and it's great. It is great. But if you want to get free mental health in Canada, you're on the waiting list, yeah. my friend. I've heard you're that. waiting I've for heard, a while. I've heard that you know? it's affordable, but it takes time. So I know it's got problems too, but it's well, it's, it's not affordable. It's free. It can be free, yeah. but it's, it's crazy. It, you have to wait. As an American, I hear that is like, I mean, well, yeah, it, but it, you have to wait a lot. So I, I actually went and saw a therapist for a while yeah. as well, and I wasn't frankly like I think there's it's the hardest thing to to say you know I need help or I want help you know because needing help is I mean. <laughs> it's one way to put it, but like I want help, wanting help, wanting wanting to get better, I think is the first step, right? Yeah. And you also you don't to need that. to be, you know, necessarily at the very bottom as well. I wasn't in the bottom when I saw started seeing my therapist a few years back. You know, I just wanted to work on some things that I knew I would yeah. wanted to get better at, you know? And um I agree that it's uh it's better to to ask for help, whatever type of help it is than to uh to stay stay at home and, and alone and, and and sad yeah i mean I just uh recently knew someone that uh took their life and uh it sucks because you know it's one of those things where they were in a place where they didn't feel like there was anybody to listen and you know uh this pandemic has impacted people and not necessarily best way mental health wise and Drug addictions up and uh, suicides up, and just that you know if if you're feeling having thoughts, you know reach out to somebody. You know, I would want you to to tell someone that if you are having an issue, and it, and that's a tough thing because, you know, as a teenager, I felt like an odd duck. Like you know, I was I was popular physically, of how I looked, but mentally. In my mind, I, I felt like I was not part of any group. I felt like an outcast. And I've learned and adapted that, like, that's kind of the cool thing about the gaming community is, like, it's okay if you're an odd duck because we're all odd ducks. You know? Yeah, that's true. But but communication-wise, I, I find I come across a lot of people that, you know, I'm, I'm an extrovert and an introvert. A lot of people don't know I'm both. But... There's a lot of people out there that don't have the communication to be able to tell someone that they're hurting or tell someone that they have problems or even know how that to where to begin. And I feel for those people because you can be trapped. You know, you can be trapped. And and uh, 
I don't know. I was able to navigate it just because of my background, you know, with masters in psychology, like I mentioned before, I believe. And, and, you know, uh, just knowing the lingo and knowing where to go and stuff is important, but, but yeah, it's helped me just being aware of kind of my highs and lows. And I got a great support group now. I have several friends. I have a small group of friends that I can, I can call and talk to. And I, I typically do on a, on a, on a regular basis, just telling them how I'm really doing, you know, and, I have a, I have a buddy who uh, is a content creator as well. And, and like, I make it, I am able to kind of unload on him all my, uh, just kind of where I'm at with things of just like a video or a feeling or, you know, and that's great just to having that person where I can just kind of lean on and just say, Hey, this is what's going on. This is how I'm really doing. <laughs> yeah. Going back to your point about money, not meaning a lot for you, like not being the number one thing that, uh, why you're doing what you're doing i think like having someone that you can talk to and tell how you're really feeling to me that's wealth in a way you know that's that's being rich in a way it's 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 because it's something that's quite rare when you get someone that gets you too you're um, and i've i got some close friends they they know me pretty good they know when i'm doing good and they know when i'm probably not doing so good and typically, I'm doing pretty good. I've been doing pretty good for a while, but but you know, there's those days. We all have those days. I had one yesterday, <laughs> and just things just weren't clicking. And what happened uh, yesterday? Oh, uh, this homebrew project—it's been a nightmare. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Nothing. Nothing. You know, it, I didn't lose my job or any of that. You know, just right. spending six hours on something and it just not working and and frustrating. But you know. I had someone to talk to. I had someone on speed dial. I could just, or Facebook message or whatever. And just, I could vent. I know that some people out there don't have that. So like, it's, it is a big, it impacts me in a healthy way of just like being able to communicate to someone, um, you know, but I don't want people to know, like I'm human just like everybody else. And, and, uh, I have ups and downs and, uh, I try to spread positivity on my channel just because I know that there's a lot of people that, that don't have a lot of that in their life or they're, they're reminded on a daily basis that things aren't great. Cause things, I know things aren't great. You know, I, I don't need a reminder of that. And so I try not to remind people of that on my channel of just offering, you know, here's, let's, let's go here. Let's go here and talk about this and uh, maybe it'll brighten your day. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've been doing a tremendous job as that at that as well. It's um, you you said it well. I think uh, you know, the gaming industry, the gamers in general, we 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 feel like odd ducks as well. A bunch of us, and I was at a at an event recently with a bunch of game devs. There were a few marketing people, but all working in the gaming industry. And I was like, awesome. my god, like, you know we're so lucky to work in this industry because we get to work with people that we share for sure a passion with 100%, you know? And, um, and, and I feel the same way as you. We are all, uh, odd ducks and we just, I think we, we get along with most, uh, with most, uh, other gamers, I think in general. So, you know, growing up and knowing, I think as you get older, you, you're able to navigate things a little bit or you got kids, like you said, or just having that maturity and that, you know, the older John 
can communicate a lot better than the younger John could. I don't know if I could in my early college days communicate to anybody what was going on in my head. And, and even, even being an extrovert, I had, a, I had a girlfriend at the time was pretty understanding and she helped mm. me through some things. Um, but as I got older, you know, my wife who have been married 20 years, um, has been amazing of just, she'll know exactly how I'm doing. Hey, you know, <laughs> what's going yeah. on? How you doing? And so well, that's a great me. way to, well, yeah, it's a great way to segue into the next segment. Actually, yeah. we want to know more about your wife because oh, yeah. the next one is called explain this tweet. And we have a tweet from July 13th, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is you and your wife yes. and you've celebrated your 20 years anniversary. Yeah. So congratulations Thank you. for that. That's amazing. Um, I didn't mean to caught you off there. I just wanted no, no, to no. bring up, it was a great way to <laughs> segue into this segment. I can, ram- I can ramble. I can ramble like anybody. Please. Well, <laughs> t- tell us more about your wife and, and the impact she had on your passion. I think that's the, the number one thing because I'll tell you something. As a collector myself, and I probably have one-tenth of your collection if I'm lucky. She she she's not <laughs> she's not a gamer, she's not a collector and she, she you know, she understands my passion, yes. but she doesn't want my stuff to be laying around everywhere. So it sounds familiar. <laughs> tell me more about your relationship you have and especially the relationship your wife has with your collection. Yeah, I think uh, early on she knew I was a collector. She knew I was in the games and Star Wars. And uh, we balance. So we did premarital counseling, which helped quite a bit. Um, and the reason why I say that is it really got you educated on what you were getting into. Like for me, marriage it, for my wife will be till I die. That's my personal belief. Um I know for others, you know, it, it means something else. But for me, my wife is my life and my my partner for life that I'm willing to work through anything with. And and that is uh, they get to know someone on a very intimate level, on a personal level, your ins and outs, your ups and downs. Um, and she she really is just uh, a great person who understands me to the, like the 10th degree. And on top of her mental health background, uh, she's a, she's a director of a women's shelter. And so, uh, you know, we are two peas in a pod and what, you know, going back to, to her, she understood the collection, the collection to her, she knows that it means a lot to me. Um, she's not a collector herself. She knows the museum is a big, important thing for me and has supported me doing that. Um, she knows that that is, uh, the end goal and she wants that. Like, I think the big thing too, is like people don't realize, you know, this takes up a lot of space. And, uh, part of the reason one of getting out of the house is that, you know, get a garage, get a garage back. Uh, the studio will look different as time moves forward, hopefully. But, you know, that's, um, in a way it's, it's, uh, it's supporting that so that we can, continue to have a life together uh that we're not anchored by this collection in this house i think that would it would it would be some freedom in a way um she knows that but more importantly she lets me be me like if someone's telling you you need to be this way for me to be with you um 
on one hand, I could see that, but like she's given me a lot of freedom of me just being a gamer and a collector. But I've also respected and honored her by not going to the debt with spending, um, having a separate budget for buying games. Like I don't use checking for anything I buy. I use a, I have a separate account and uh, it's typically a, a YouTube fund that's buying something or, or something that way. Like it's, and then when that's done, it's done. Like it's okay. <laughs> and uh, we share our money. Some couples don't, we share things hundred uh, percent. Any big purchases, I would still talk to her. And uh, that's kept my, my marriage healthy on top of me investing time and energy into keeping that marriage, talking to her, uh, honoring her goals and dreams. What are your hopes and dreams? I heard this from a, uh, panel a long time ago. Like you got to really invest back into your partner. It can't be all about you and your collection and all that. And if everything you're doing is around that, then you are not sharing your life with someone else. They're, they're giving up their life for you. And that's a big, big problem. And that will destroy a marriage more than anything. Uh, money, uh, one of the biggest arguments in marriage. And so um, that's how I navigate things. Um, there's times I've been great at it and there's times I've needed help. But uh, knowing when to say sorry when you screw up, <laughs> you know, no. um, have it, if you have an issue with someone, I think the bigger issue, too, is if you have an issue with someone, bring it up with them, um, not hiding it. Um, and the communication is so important long-term being with someone and, and being able to like dig into a problem. One thing that we've worked on lately is having time for one another, another, and it doesn't have to be a full day cause she works full time, you know, and I'm busy. I'm always going to be busy doing something. I'm just one of those people. I'm always doing two or three things, but making time for one another and talking about things, especially with kids and appointments and schedules and all that, but, but yeah, that, that's, uh, that's what she is to me. She's everything. She's every, well, she's, uh, she's someone I want to share my life with the rest of my life. And, uh, you know, it's just been wonderful. She's, uh, she's everything you would want in a partner and more. And, um, anybody who meets her says that. Well, we salute her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. The next tweet we have is about maybe one that's uh, a bit more controversial, I would okay. say. Okay. From June 7th, where you say there's a picture of GameStop oh. on a, I guess, a glass oh, yeah. in front of the store, right? Oh, yeah. And you say, good for them. I worked for GameStop back in the day, and it was bad then mm -hmm. can you tell us more about this yes and i think it's a bigger it's a it's a bigger kind of theme and i'm happy to talk about it but i think as a society we have to do a better job at taking care of people i'll start there i think the days of people grinding at a job for 30 years are over and i think there's a lot of people that are paid minimum wage and this is looking at kind of corporate, I'm looking at corporate kind of society and people are saying, you know what, enough's enough. You know, when the top corporations are making the top, the top percentage of people are making so much 
and the bottom part of the worker bees are not making as much. And it's a grind, and I get it. There's, you know, a wage and all that. But the bigger theme is we have a lot of people, a smaller portion of people making more of the total revenue of the world. And they're not doing a good job dispersing that and sharing their wealth. And that is a problem. Okay? It's a problem with our society. I don't know the easy fix. Someone wants to make a bajillion dollars, that's fine. But when you're not giving back, and you have more money than your grandkids and great grandkids can spend. That's a problem. And it's a problem. And I don't know an easy fix. But so going back to GameStop. Um, it was a terrible environment. Okay. I would never work there again. I had a district manager that was asking me to go to KB Toys. To buy their Playstations out. And bring them over to GameStop and mark them up. And this is 20 years ago. Now, it wasn't, I don't think that was corporate telling me what to do. That was her. She was terrible to work for. Um, it's, you know, thinks, people think games is a fun job. It's not. But it's a bigger issue on just, we're going to pay you minimum wage. You're going to do this job. You know, and, and GameSoft's maybe not the best example, but stick up for yourself. Stick up for rights that are reasonable and wages that are reasonable. You're not going to want to ask for $28 an hour when that's not your field. But um, I support unions. I support people organizing and uh, advocating for themselves. It's nice to see the gaming industry kind of being open to that finally. You know, crunch time is a whole other controversy. But there's a problem in general with people not taking care of organizations. I think we've let regulation go to the point where we kind of leave it up to these big companies to take care of people and they're not doing a great job. And I think there's a growing amount of people saying, you know what? We're done with your crap. And I say, you know what? Good for you. Because the only way things are going to change is when a majority of people say, you know what? We're tired of this. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it for that. And, and standing up for themselves. We've, we've, we've pride on people's generosity, especially in compassion fields such as teaching, I'm going to say it, where we kind of expect people to give up their time and effort and do this and that for free over and over and over again beyond what's reasonable to the point where enough people now are going to say, you know what, not going to do it. And surprise, surprise, you have less people now or having a hard time finding people to work. You know why? Because people are tired of that. For the new generation, you know, and on one hand, people say, well, they're just lazy. Well, maybe they're just standing up for what they need to be paid for. Like, and I, and I and advocate people for that on within reason, but it bothers me. And I say, good for those to stand up and, and to say, if it's not reasonable, don't do it. Um, and there's balance. There's asking for too much, there's being greedy, there's being lazy, there's that as a controversy. And I'm not talking about that, but I'm just talking in general about how there's enough there's enough wealth that I think we could do a better job at just taking care of people. I see our society right now is sick. We're sick because we have we're not we're we're not healthy, 
we're not mental our mental health is not being taken care of and as a society we have to ask ourselves how are we going to fix that and who's going to fix that and whose responsibility is to fix that is it the corporations that make a ton more than they ever can spend or is it somebody else more importantly we got to get together and have a discussion about it and not get too political and be able to work it out. And that's a bigger problem because right now we're not in that place. We want to point the finger at other, you know, two, two sides pointing the finger at each other saying, it's your fault, it's your fault. Oh, we can go down this road. <laughs> yeah, we, we are. We that's, can go down this road. That's, that's great. To, to give context, the image that you posted it's from the employees of the GameStop. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, that are saying, basically, out. we all quit. Yeah, we all quit. We all quit. We're so done. They, yeah, they were done. We're gonna, they, they put yeah. that on the, on the glass, and they, they just actually, left. And they were like, go to these other places yep. <laughs> yeah, and where so you can like, buy your games. Yeah, and so the big thing is, is like, you know, um, there's too many companies that are treating people like a number. You're going to do this medial service... We don't give a shit about you, and they don't. They they've relied on just cheap workforce, just a re your replacement. We can we can fill you in with somebody else, and if enough people say, you know what, then you can just take this job and shove it. Yep. Good for you, and we need to do that when the expectations are unreasonable, because if enough people organize and stand up to a company and say, you know what, we're not going to deal with this because this is unreasonable. And I'm speaking about unreasonable expectation. I'm not saying don't do a job, but if the job is really paying low, don't do it. Don't take yeah, it. I think there's a shift in, in, in like how like an employee's expectation, which is great. And yeah. also slowly an employer's uh, understanding of how they should be treating employees, and I, I'm, I'm the keyword here is is slowly yeah. because unfortunately it is quite slow, but it's also normal for it to be slow because it, it's been a certain way for so long, and things yeah. don't change that fast. It takes a while, uh, but a younger generation of employers, mm -hmm. um, and I hope. I, I hope I'm part of that and <laughs> that group yeah. are, are are changing the way uh, employees are treated and um, how they're they're being paid and 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 how much vacation they get how much you know um, uh, how do you say uh, social uh, like you know different uh, uh, social perks if you will yeah. uh, that they get and so on so mentioned. yeah so yeah yeah so it, it's just it, but it's you're right I think Things change when certain groups are put in a situation where they cannot function anymore in a way. That's yeah. kind of like how things work. So I have, a, I have a vivid experience of what really impacted my perception of this. I worked at a place, I won't say where. I was selling shoes, I'll just say it. Selling shoes. And I worked there. I was every did everything they ever asked. I was on time. I was prompt. I was professional. I didn't call in sick. I did everything asked of me. And at the end of the year, I had my year evaluation and I got a 10 cent raise. Hmm. And, you know, they had this little 
evaluation system and, oh, you did this, you did this. And I said, are you kidding me? You can take this job and shove it. Quit. Walked out. Best what year ever. was that? Huh? What year was that? Uh, 97. 1997. Yeah, 10 cents. It's, <laughs> wow. That's, I, I uh, went from 425 to 435. And I said, you know what? If that is my merit increased, then I quit. Yeah. So Good for I you. <laughs> I just said, nope. And then I uh, walked down the street and got something for five bucks an hour. There you go. And so that's what people are doing during this, this whole pandemic. Like you're like, Oh, we, we don't have like enough people. I'm like, why did your people leave? Yeah. <laughs> I understand there's some, there's some, uh, like restoration, like the, the, uh, the food and the yeah. service industry, like they've had issues because they had to close down. That's something else completely. Right. I don't want to mix yeah. things up, but sometimes like if people are leaving in mass, <laughs> you have to ask yourself, you why is that? More. Especially if they don't come back, <laughs> you know? You know, and the other thing too, I think just in general is if you're profiting and you're not, and you're relying on volunteer work, um, or you need to pay your, I mean, I think there needs to be balance of like, should you pay more? And sometimes there's not a check and balance in companies. Like they just get away with what they can get away with for as long as they can until there's an issue. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's, it's, it's too much reactionary and not enough preventative in our society in general. Right, right. Yeah, companies I agree with that. Companies are reacting to people walking out, mm-hmm. not being preventative by saying, we need to pay more so that we can look long-term so we have a healthy company and look long-term. Now, there's companies doing that. Um, and, and this doesn't speak to the independent little person that's just trying to barely have an employee or their, you know. But, you know, in general, things cost more, okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. If you're making a healthy, reasonable profit, and you need workers to work for you, you got to ask yourself, do I want someone for six months or do I want them for six years? And how do I get that six-year employee? Well, you take care of them. You train them like yep. a human being. You, 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 you don't wait for them to ask for a raise. You give them one, right? You give them one if they deserve yeah. it. If if they, of course, you know, of course. I think, I think people have to prove themselves. There's a lot of bad workers yeah. out there too. And I'm, oh, yeah. And you know, wife has dealt with that and told me horror stories. But... um. They've learned too. And like, I, I like what you said about, yeah, this is a slow process, but until people in droves say, you know what, that's a big no. And I love seeing it. Honestly, I, I, I have a good friend and we're, we're like two peas in a pot on this. And, um, you know, I, 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 my, my current work take care, takes care of me. And I think they take care of me because it's unionized and there's a check and balance system in place where they work together. And I don't think if I didn't have that, if I didn't have a group, a, a group of people advocating for me, it would be like that. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that. So I, I experienced that and I've been part of bad. I've been, I was a part of a bad union and it was terrible. Community mental health was. Yeah. Terrible. Union doesn't mean it's, it's going to be great either. Great. You know? I'm yeah. part of a good union, a good union. I was part of a bad union. Unions don't mean, but like, I think organizing together though, whatever that looks like is important because I can, I can tell you, I worked at a place and it just, it was, it was rough in more than one place. And it was just like, we're going to pay this. And one of the best places I worked with was employee owned. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was great because it was very straightforward. Uh, I, I'll say with the, I worked for Winco foods back in, back in the day, employee right. owned, and it was very straight up. And I know I have friends that still work there and, 
it was just, it was reasonable. They had reasonable wages. They had reasonable steps. Uh, I have some friends that work at Costco and they seem pretty happy there because from what I've heard, they were taken care of and they were looked at as human beings. Well, I'll tell you something. If you're an employer and you don't do everything you can to keep your good employees around, you shouldn't be in business. You have no no business in business. <laughs> I'll say it like that yeah. because, and you've said it well. Employees, there's a lot of bad employees. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's not so much that they're necessarily bad. Maybe they're not doing the right thing. You know, it's like maybe they should be doing something else. But and bad employees, you know, yeah, you shouldn't necessarily keep them around, and you shouldn't necessarily give them a raise and whatnot. But the good ones, you have to because they're really rare. And you want them around and hiring that, like getting another great or good employee to join and to replace that one that's going to leave because you don't treat him well is going to cost you a lot more than whatever raise you were, you should have given that, that, that first good employee. So it's a lack of vision. I agree. I think it's like, but I think it's human nature as well to wait for the, like the, the disaster. We're a bit like in denial sometimes human beings right aren't we we just we do something until we crash and burn and then we we just stand up and like oh shit i i I should do something now i should change the way i behave because i just hit a wall and i think like it shows sometimes when it comes to like companies because guess what guess what a company is like a bunch of people doing stuff so it's it's still part of i think uh companies or corporations yeah and i you know i've I've worked for several jobs i've done things and many fields and i'll tell you the places i didn't stick around is when i felt like a number Mm -hmm. and the places that cared about me i worked you know i worked at this one i worked at a university and it it really was because my boss was awesome my boss was amazing and i didn't even call him my boss and he was like but he was like i could i could go to him and i felt supported and i did that job for five years i drove two hours and 30 minutes twice a week for five years Wow! because of my boss, because I felt valued and I, I felt like I was, I had some freedom to, to give and it was great. The only time, the only the reason I left it, it was because uh, I got a day job and it didn't, it was incompatible with my schedule. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of travels, but you still Portland community you, college. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you kept it for five years. That's pretty nuts. Yeah. That's pretty nice. Help pay for the studio. That's how the studio got. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yep. Talking Save about full-time money. jobs. What'd you say? Talking about full-time jobs. Oh, yeah. We're moving on to another segment called audience questions. Okay. And we have one here. What do you think of the best way to implement gaming in a busy schedule? I work full-time, okay. often overtime hours, have a wife, three kids. Gaming has always been a passion of mine, but lately it's been increasingly difficult to find the time. How does the immortal John Hancock do it? You got to make a schedule. Um, you got to work with your family. What's best for them? What's best for you? Schedule it. So scheduling is very important. If you don't schedule, it's not going to happen. Um, so I'm a teacher, so I have summers off. So I have a little bit of time, but it that's kind of a, I mean, I, I, I fill my schedule up all the time. Like I got things I'm already thinking about now after this. <laughs> and so like, but, um, scheduling a time working with your family, what's best for them, what's best for you. 
putting it in and making it happen and, and picking things that are going to, that are gonna, like the best, what's the best use of your time? What's the best game that's going to work with that time? You know, um, that's what I would do. And I, I, I find it all the time that one of the challenges I have is just moving on to other things all the time. I can't just stick with one game for a year. It's, it's impossible. It really is impossible. And it'd be impossible for anybody in my situation. I try to value and appreciate what I have and I'll dig stuff out randomly sometimes and play it. Um, but yeah, it's great. I'll add to what you said, which I completely agree with schedule your gaming time, but also schedule your family time. I would say you have to I think it's important. Yeah. It's like, okay, time with the wife, yeah. time with the kids, you know, not just schedule your own stuff because and it goes back to the time, point. Yeah. Your yeah. kid time and your wife time need to be separate too, because that is yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's not the know, same. It's not the you're same. You're hanging out with your family yeah. and you're not really talking with anybody and they're on their phones or tablets or games like that's not, that doesn't count. Okay. It, it should be called quality time. Yeah, quality you know, time. So like quality time with the wife, quality yeah. time with the kids. Go to coffee, do a mini date, or you know, you don't even have to go anywhere. Even just like going out if your kids are older, I mean this this can be a challenge with sitting and stuff. Mm -hmm. Go out to a vehicle. Like just get into a vehicle or out in the parking lot or in a place that's you know away from little years and have a conversation and just How's your day? And and don't use good and fine. Like find out how your day really was. Tell me mm -hmm. something about your day. Um, is there anything I can do for you? What, what are your needs right now? Those are all good questions. Um, not just you know checking off the box to ask to just like yeah. Twenty bucks doesn't work. Like what do you need right now? Twenty bucks. That's that's not what we're looking for here. <laughs> and not being on your phone when they're talking to you or distracted by screens or. And yeah. I, I say that because it's so important. We're like constantly attached to some sort form of media these days yeah it's crazy you gotta unplug you gotta unplug every now and then it's really important i mean I, I'm, I'm feeling it all the time you know the, yeah. the urge to grab my phone i got i'm fighting it all the time i feel it. Th yeah. i think it's it's something i really want to work on frankly yeah. you know it's uh it's crazy second question hey john i got an interesting one for you okay. if you were to get stuck on a desert island for a month what are three objects you would bring with you and why three objects to bring with me on a desert island for a month well i mean of course phone <laughs> phone and i guess uh, i'll cheat i'll say phone with like some type of solar paneling to charge it so then oh, I is that is that two objects though yeah that's two objects okay okay because um, my phone yeah. could be my radio, my YouTube, and all that. So, and then the the, the third thing, um, oh, I'll just say uh, shelter, like a tent. Wow! So shelter. no games. No. Well, I could play games on my phone, but it'd be mostly the phone would be for talking to my wife. Interesting. And then my Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now. So, yeah, I mean, if it came down to three things, I'm not going to think about games. I'm probably going to think about survival. I'm probably going to think about, um, you know, if it came down to survival, the games is, you know. Secondary. Secondary. Yeah. And I have my phone, so I could play some. I don't play a lot of phone games, but I have that. So that's. Oh, you could, yeah, for, of course. I guess I could 
technically do Xbox Cloud Gaming through my phone. <laughs> Don't bring your Switch, though, because if there's no Wi-Fi, you oh, can't yeah, play your game. Screwed. <laughs> screwed. Uh, it, it's Nintendo, though. You don't have to worry about online. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rapid-fire segment. Okay, we got 15 questions. Okay. Two possible answers per question. Don't think. Just answer. Okay. Let's go. Movies or documentaries? Documentaries. Crocs or slippers? Slippers. Would you rather eat a snail or a crab? Crab. Teaching or YouTube? Oh, like if I had a choice? Yeah. YouTube. Forget your wedding anniversary or forget your wife's birthday? Anniversary. No haircut for a year or no shower for a month? Ew. Um, no shower for a month. <laughs> Subway foot long or six inches? <laughs> foot long. Football or soccer? Oh, football. American football. Would you rather lead a minimalist life or be a hoarder? Minimalist. Be a caveman or be a jungle man? Caveman. It's inside. <laughs> Ice cream or slushies? Ice cream. Drink water or breathe air? Breathe air. Would you rather meet your great-great-grandchildren or your great-great-grandparents? Grandchildren. Great-great-grandchildren. Grape juice or cranberry juice? Cranberry. Cranberry juice. You can mix it. Movies which becomes games or games which becomes movies? Hmm. First one. Movies, which becomes games. Yeah. Amazing. That's it. 15 questions yeah. done. Yeah. Man, it's been uh, an absolute ride today, John. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel uh, I feel privileged uh, yeah. to have had the chance to, to talk to you, get to know you a bit better. Yeah. Uh, I really think that we uh, talked about, uh, about topics that I expected we would talk about, but also many other things that uh, I think we... Uh, we allowed ourselves to go a bit deeper in certain topics, um, which was uh, which I already I'll always enjoy. So, yeah. I want to thank you for for doing this uh, with me, with us, sharing um, all all those stories and 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 uh, uh, your thoughts on on all those matters. So, I invite every single one of you guys listening to check out John. Uh, he's on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, YouTube John Hancock on Twitter it's uh, SW Lovinist not Lovinist yeah stands yeah. for Star Wars Lovinist but yes SW Lovinist yep uh, there we go and also the immortal underscore John underscore Hancock on Instagram guys go check him out uh, don't forget to like subscribe comment on who you want us to interview next we're back every Tuesday stick around and guys, we'll see you soon in the next episode of Streamforce Radio.